Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 37, Teen Caregivers of Parents Living with Dementia. Today's podcast is different. I am devoting this episode to young people who have a parent living with dementia. I'm going to address communication. I know my podcast is a little edgy and maybe a 12-year-old does not have to hear the language, so I'm cutting out my usual introduction and outro. To be fair, if you are 12 or 13 or a little older and you are taking care of a mom or dad living with dementia, you are already mature beyond your years. I think you could handle a couple of naughty words. But your parent who does not have dementia still wants to protect your childhood, so this is more for them than for you. Maybe you already know me because you found my podcast and you have been listening to it on the sly. But for those of you who might be tuning in for the first time, my name is Rita Jablonski. I'm a nurse practitioner and researcher who works with people living with dementia and their families. I'm also a mom who raised three kids on her own. Two daughters, one is a graphic designer living in Maryland, and one is a toxicologist living in Alabama, and a son who is a state trooper in Florida. For fun, I knit. I'm working on an afghan for my son, but don't tell him. It's a surprise. And he doesn't listen to the podcast. And I ride horses. Young people caring for a parent with dementia probably feel invisible. I'm sorry to say that. All of the resources that I found for young people assumed they were caring for a grandparent. It's different caring for a grandparent versus caring for a parent with dementia. First of all, caring for a grandparent with dementia is much more mainstream and there's probably lots of support groups, not probably, there are support groups and resources for young people caring for a grandparent. And to be fair, even those resources are a little thin. However, for those of you out there who are caring for a parent living with dementia, it is not as unusual as you may think. I did some math and I'm estimating, and this is a conservative estimate, so it means there's probably more, but I came up with at least 100,000 people under the age of 21 who are caring for a parent with some type of dementia. Certain dementias, like frontotemporal dementia, can affect people in their 40s and 50s. Early onset Alzheimer's dementia can show up in people as young as 35. But before I get too far into the podcast, I'd like to correct something I hear all of the time. Even people who should know better say things like, Alzheimer's disease is different from dementia. No, that is wrong. Dementia refers to any type of long-term problems with memory. Just like the word dog refers to any four-legged furry animal that barks and chases squirrels. There are many kinds of dogs. There are Labrador Retrievers and Chihuahuas. I always think of the Taco Bell dog. Beagles, like Snoopy, and Great Danes, think Scooby-Doo. 
I have no idea what type of dog Brian is on Family Guy, other than he talks. He's probably a mutt. So dementia is a general word like dog, and just there are different breeds of dog, there are different types of dementia. You have Lewy body, frontotemporal dementia, Alzheimer's dementia, vascular dementia. I could go on and on. Those are the big ones. I'm not going to get into the different types of dementia today, but if your parents are okay with you listening to episode one, go through that because I discuss all the different types of dementias. As I said earlier, my focus for today's podcast is communication, how to talk to a person living with dementia so that they understand you and they don't get frustrated. And that's even harder when you're working with a parent and the roles are feeling reversed. In the parent taking care of you, you are taking care of them. And that can make the interaction between you and your mom or dad living with dementia a, a bit strained, a bit weird. So here are some tips. First, keep your sentences short and clear. I'm going to give you two sets of directions. Okay, here's the first set. Before pointing to the ceiling, point to the door. Here's the second set of directions. Point to the door, point to the ceiling. The first set of uh, (laughs) the first set of directions is complicated. First, the directions are given out of order. Your brain had to hold on to the before pointing to the ceiling part while you looked around for a door. Once you pointed to the door, you had to remember to point to the ceiling. But the second set of directions was very clear. There were no extra words and the directions were given in order. That is the way to communicate with a person living with dementia. I like to call this way of communicating short, sweet, and concrete. Nothing fancy. You may be thinking, why do I have to talk this way? Why do I have to keep the directions so short and clear? Here's why. Think of your brain like a giant box that contains everything you've ever had. A giant trunk, maybe. At the bottom are your baby toys. At the top are your books, iPad, smartphone, maybe your laptop. There are different compartments to keep everything organized. Some of those compartments are plastic boxes so that the small items don't get mixed up and lost. If you want something that you had as a small child, you're going to have to dig through the trunk and find that object. But if you want to use your iPad or your tablet, it is right there on top and super easy to get to. Think of the items sitting on the very top of your trunk. Those are like short-term memories. Memories about what we had for breakfast or what someone told you five minutes ago. These memories lay at the top and over time they go away because they're short-term. They're temporary memories, if you will. For example, how many children do I have? 
I told you in the beginning of the podcast and no cheating. If you answered three, then your short-term memory is working just fine. If you could not remember, it was probably because you were not concentrating on the podcast because your mind was temporarily distracted. Maybe you got a text and you were responding to it, or one of your siblings came into your room and asked you something. Now, long-term memories are memories about something that was learned years ago, something that was read in a book, something that happened. People with dementia lose brain cells. The brain cells, also called neurons, die off because of the disease. Their brain shrinks. So let's go back to the example of the trunk holding all of your possessions. If that trunk started to shrink, all of the items on the top would spill out and there would be no room to store them. There would be, you, you couldn't put them on top. They'd slide off. But you would be able to get to the items on the bottom much easier. The brains of people living with dementia do shrink. Their heads don't shrink because the bony skull stays the same size. But the brains inside of the skull do shrink. As the brain shrinks, the parts of the brain that make and hold on to short-term memories go offline first. They're usually the first that get damaged. But the parts of the brain that hold on to the long-term memories stays healthy until much, much later in the disease. That's why your mom or dad living with dementia asks you the same question over and over again or tells you the same thing over and over again. But they can tell you in in very detailed descriptions something that happened in, say, 1960 or 1972. And that can be really frustrating because you're thinking to yourself, all right, dad just asked me the same question 50 million times, but then just told me some story about the 1960s. Is he doing this on purpose? Maybe if he just tried harder, he could hold on to the memories. No, you're parent with dementia is not trying to be a pain. Their shrinking brains are the cause of the memory problems. That's also why they may get lost in your house. Or when they're driving, if they're still driving, they may get lost going to a a familiar place, going to the same store that they've gone to since you were born. Okay, I'm going to just take a quick break. And when I come back, I'm going to talk about other types of communication, which is nonverbal communication. Did you know that the majority of our communication is nonverbal? That is, we tend to pay more attention to people's facial expressions and their body language than what is coming out of their mouths. People living with dementia also tune into your 
facial expressions and your body language. That is why you need to take your time and not look upset or get angry when caring for your parent. It may also be helpful to use gestures when you are trying to help them. If you are trying to help them, say, brush their teeth, you can gesture like you are brushing your teeth. If you ever played the game charades where people act out TV shows or movie titles while others try to guess what it is they're acting out, then you get it. You, you use these charades when you're trying to get something across to a person living with dementia. It's a good idea to communicate using a combination of short sentences and charades. If you need to help your parent living with dementia do things and they are not happy about you helping them, here is a way that usually works. Ask them for help. Here is how the asking for help works. Let's say you're trying to help your mom put on a shirt. She wants no part of you helping her. Say to her, Mom, I need your help to get her attention. Then say, Mom, please help me by putting on this shirt. Once she does it, thank her and mean it. Mom, thank you so much. That was a big help. This approach works because as a parent, we are programmed to help our kids, to do things for our children. And you are using that part of the brain programming that is still there. Now, maybe your mom is not cooperating because she needs you to break down the directions even more. That is, you saying, put on your shirt is something she doesn't understand, but if you break it down into a couple of steps... That would make sense to her. This is how you do that. First, you say, Mom, I need your help to get her attention. Then you say, Mom, please put this arm here. And the reason why I'm not saying right arm, left arm, sleeve, because sometimes all of those words are too much to hold on to. So instead, as you say, Mom, please put this arm, you gently tap or touch the arm that you want her to move. And then you say here, and you point to the hole where the sleeve is. It's, it'll take a little bit of getting used to, but once you do it, you're going to find that it works. And once your mom does it, thank her and mean it. Mom, thank you so much. That was a big help. And here's why the thanking part works. Someone living with dementia is constantly being told what to do and when to do it. Sound familiar? Think about how you feel. If you're always being told, do this and do that, and no one ever stops and says, thank you, I appreciate that, you are a big help. Don't you kind of feel like Cinderella or Cinderfella? You feel taken for granted because that's normal. We want and need positive feedback. And it's the same way with your mom or dad living with dementia. So yeah, throw in some thanks because they need to hear that. 
and it really helps them to feel better. And again, you might feel really weird breaking everything down into these like little tidbits, but the shrinking brain needs bite-sized directions. Now here's another situation you may be dealing with. Does your parent with dementia get angry with you when you are trying to help them? It's not your fault. They may forget a lot of things, but they never forget that they are an adult, even if they don't really act like one. Here is a suggestion. When you speak with your parent, make sure you are not talking to them like they are one of your younger sisters or brothers or somebody you babysit. Watch out for what I call the bossy voice. If you have an older brother or sister, you know what I'm talking about. Your older sibling can ask you to please pass the salt or toss you the TV remote. They just say, hey, toss me the remote or hey, please pass me the salt. That's their normal voice. But sometimes they use the bossy voice, the one that makes you feel like an idiot. Here's an example of the bossy voice. Now, don't forget to feed the dog, okay? And you are thinking to yourself, nah, I was going to let her starve to death while I watch Big Mouth. The bossy voice tends to have that sing-song, annoying quality that just gets on people's nerves. And it's common for you to fall into that. It's the same tone of voice that you may use if you're caring for a small child or if you're working with your dog or your cat. I do it all the time with my dog, Amira. When I talk to her, I, and and she's right now, as I'm recording the podcast, she's curled up next to me in my home office. And it's a shame I don't have video on because this will be hilarious. But when I talk with Amira, I say things like, who's the cute little puppy? Yeah. Are you the little love? Okay. She just, her ears just went up and she's looking at me, but she's also looking at me with a, what are you doing? Look, because she knows I'm recording my podcast and she knows I get frustrated and upset with her when she decides to bring me her squeaky ball or bark or carry on in the podcast. But that's the tone of voice I use with her. And usually when I speak in that sing-songy voice, like, hey, little pup, who's a cute little pup pup? Here, little pup pup, come here, give me your paw, give me your paw, little pup. Yeah, you get the picture. But when I do that, she responds to it. If I forget and I talk to my mom like that, it's not going to go well. And like I said, it's because your mom or your dad may forget a lot of stuff, but they never forget that they are the adult and you are not the adult. And if you're in a situation where you're noticing mom or dad is starting to get annoyed with you, just check to make sure you're not using the bossy voice. And don't use sarcasm either. The example I gave about the, the feeding the dog is definite sarcasm. It is okay to think sarcastic thoughts. I think it's a survival mechanism, but keep them inside the thought balloon. Sometimes after caring for a parent living with dementia for a couple of hours, you've had enough and it's 
hard to avoid a sarcastic comeback. Just don't. It's not worth it. Now, another issue that may be popping up is the mixed up memories where your mom or dad may start calling you someone else's name. And going back to the example of the trunk where there was all sorts of compartments, imagine if the compartments opened up and everything spilled all over the trunk and now everything is all mixed up. A similar thing happens with memories. The memories get all tangled up. And your mom or dad may look at you and may call you the name of an uncle or aunt or a cousin. And you are thinking, where in the world did that come from? And that's because you probably look a lot like your aunt or your uncle. And because your mom and dad are losing their memories, they are literally going back in time. And it's really weird. It's almost like a sci-fi movie where on one hand, they know they're an adult. But at the same time, they also believe that they're 18. And they're hanging out with their brother, Matthew. Or their sister, Kendra. And therefore, they're calling you Matthew or Kendra. And you're thinking, no, I'm not. But take a look at some old family pictures and see if there's a resemblance. Because it happens a lot in my family. In fact, I've done it already with my own kids. I don't think I have dementia. I sure hope not. But I have looked at my daughter, Sarah, And I have slipped and I've called her Anne because she looks more like my sister Anne than she looks like me. There's probably some very strong family resemblances. So if your mom or dad is calling you by a different name, it doesn't mean they've forgotten about you. You look so much like someone from their past and their memories are mixed up that they're trying to figure out the situation. And they may also have a memory of you, but they remember you as maybe a two-year-old or a three-year-old, not age 15. So that comes into play too. And you may notice that in the mornings, maybe they know exactly who they are. They're calling you by the right name. And maybe by the afternoon or bedtime, they're calling you a different name. That's because the brain does get tired. Because the brain is shrinking and there's fewer and fewer nerve cells, the fewer and fewer nerve cells are trying to do the job of all of the nerve cells. So the person living with dementia does get tired and have more problems thinking, usually as the day goes on. Okay, so those are some tips for communicating with your mom or dad living with dementia. And I hope you found this information helpful. I also have to say, it probably does not seem fair that you are handling such a big responsibility. And to be honest, it isn't. Your parent without dementia really doesn't have a lot of options. And that parent is probably dealing with a lot of guilt. Like they they probably feel like they failed you. 
that they want you to have a quote normal experience, but the situation is they need your help and they feel bad about that. And you feel bad about it. You love your mom, your dad, you, you wish things were back the way they were and they're not back the way they were. And that sucks. Your parent without dementia has to, they may need to work to pay the bills and have medical insurance. And again, they feel guilty leaving you there to help. And you may think just hire somebody. Hiring someone is expensive. Insurance does not usually cover the cost. However, if you want to Google the Area Agency on Aging, there are offices all over the United States, and some have programs that will send a caregiver into the home to help out part-time, and maybe that would give everybody a break. But the services vary depending on where you are in the country and what benefits your own state has. I would also recommend that you speak to a trusted adult, ideally a therapist or a counselor. I know you're probably talking to your other parent, but they're dealing with a lot of stuff and it helps if you talk to a trusted adult who is not in the situation and can really listen to you and give you some additional support. Perhaps there's a school counselor who can listen to you and help you deal with your emotions because you are handling some heavy stuff. My son's football coaches were awesome, and I think he talked to them more than me, and that was okay. My daughter had a favorite science teacher who was supportive during some really rough times. Maybe there's a trusted adult at your church, your temple, or your mosque. Before I wrap up the podcast, if you have questions and you would like to email me a question, I'm happy to take that question and answer it as a future podcast episode. My email is in the show notes. And if you don't feel like going to the show notes, you can email me at rita.jablonski at gmail.com or check the email listed in in the show notes if you didn't get that or you're thinking, how in the world do I spell Jablonski? Because if you have the question, I'm sure somebody else does as well. So thank you for listening to today's podcast. I also want to give a shout out and announce the winner of the Make Dementia Your Bee podcast challenge. And I'm giving out first names only, so if I call out your name, check your inbox for the email notification. The winner for the first ever Make Dementia Your Bee podcast challenge is Harley. I had wanted to select three winners, but Harley was the only entry who qualified because she followed all of the steps. She left a review on a podcast platform. It was audible and sent me the screenshot of the review. Thank you for entering the contest, and I'll be sending you your free autographed copy of my book. I also want to let everyone know that I'm putting together a program called Kick Butt Dementia Caregiving, becoming a confident and competent caregiver so that you can maintain your self-sanity and your spirit. 
I will be launching it at the end of April and it will go live sometime in May. So stay tuned. If you want to get on my mailing list so that you get my newsletter and you don't miss any upcoming free webinars that I am planning or any other cool activities that I am doing, you can go to the website. The URL is in the show notes and you can fill out the little box so that you are subscribed to the newsletter. Thank you for listening to today's episode and I look forward to helping you make dementia your bee.